Hello and welcome to this special edition of our podcast. I'm delighted to be joined here at Celtic Park by not only a legend of Celtic, but also a legend of Ireland, Pat Bonner. Only one of seven Celtic players to make over seven, uh, 600 appearances for the club, 641, 80 caps for Ireland. And that's just kind of skimming the surface of what was a, a pretty incredible playing career for you, Pat. Yeah, listen, I, I had, had all my career here as a player which is unique, I suppose, in the modern world. But um, maybe maybe at the end of my career, I could have moved on somewhere. Probably the opportunity didn't come around. But I love my time here. Uh, I had a wonderful times with a great group of people, um, players, management. And I think the staff too, the people in the round about the club, you know, you built up even, you know, the groundsmen. I was talking to some of them today in my way and some of them are still here which is unique all this time, uh, you know, since since I was here. And you build up friendships with people and uh, and uh, it's in your heart and it's in your soul and, and uh, it never changes. I mean, obviously the, the club is, but when I just look at that backdrop, it's somewhat different to, to the Celtic Park when, when you first arrived back in the, the late 70s. Yeah, I came over here in 1977 on trial, um, signed in 70, 78 uh, and joined the club then when Billy and John uh, took over. Jock had just left. Jock signed me, uh, but Sean Fallon also uh, a great, great man who was probably the most responsible for me coming to the club. Uh, and uh, he took me in here and it was the old stadium, um, big, big stadium with a track around it. Many's a day we played out here, just below us here on, on the ash uh, and had some great games. And then there was the grass bit up at the other end. So it was the old, old stadium, uh, but a unique stadium. The jungle was there, Celtic end, Rangers end, uh, and then the, the the new stand on that side, which is still still there, um, was there, and the old restrooms and all that. Uh, when I walk around it now and I see the atmosphere, I think that the only time I had the opportunity to play in this in the stadium was when we played uh, a charity match, uh, and I think it was on TV. We played Manchester United, and. Uh, that was pretty intimidating, I've got to say, when the crowds and then it was a full house, particularly that day, the noise and so on. Uh, I think it was slightly different in our day, even though um, it was still an intimidating place and you had to perform, and you had to perform in front of the jungle, that's for sure. Because you mentioned there about you being Jockstein's last signing, because one of the things when I've interviewed, for example, Tommy Callaghan, he's got that proud boast of being the only player that Jockstein signed twice. Right. <laughs> and, and you obviously have that unique boast of, of You've been Jock's last signing for Celtic. But then you mentioned that, you know, another great Irishman and Sean Fallon, who brought, you know, was instrumental in bringing a whole raft of players, yeah. you know, because he was, you know, he could spot a player. And obviously, I'm guessing he had the, the gift of the gab as well to, to persuade you to, to sign. Yeah, well, listen, I was over and back to Leicester City on trial uh, at that particular time. I was over and back playing in the, in the English Youth Cup. They didn't sign me, thank God. Um, and, uh, but, uh, Sean was going and watching games and he was going and he watched me play for the Irish youth team at that particular time and uh, after the game I remember him coming to me and saying would you like to go and trial son over to Celtic uh, and of course I said I'll be in touch with your club and I was KJ Rovers at the time and uh, then you know the word came true that uh, that he was going to bring me over I came over in 19 as I said 1977 and um, uh, I think it was frost and, and snow and, and I couldn't actually even train. I played a, a trial game uh, for Colt Ness United uh, and 
and that that was against East Kilbride Thistle, by the way. So that was the first team I ever played for was Cold Nash United uh, <laughs> here in Scotland uh, under an assumed name, of course. <laughs> uh, and that, but uh, after that, I, to be honest, I went then uh, to a, a tournament in Ruby in France uh, with the under eighteen team. Uh, and that was a great tournament. I didn't think I played very well, to be perfectly honest. That was Easter time, and I said, "Oh, that was it. That's it gone." I, I think I, I'm, I'm going back to school. I'm going to get my leaving cert done, which I which I was happy to do. And I was had my mindset going to Thomond College down in Limerick to do PE, and then working through in May that uh, that Jockstein was going to come over, or, or somebody was going to come over to sign me, and they wanted to sign, and I went out to the Ballyrain and hotel and now I think it's changed its name but that's where we, we went uh, to meet and, and I was standing there next time Jock Steen came in but Sean was the man and uh, he, he um, any time after that you know uh, obviously he had left by the time I, I came over there in the summer but I used to meet him in the local chapel up in Christ the King and uh, he always invited me down to the house for dinner with, with his family and he had that sort of kind of warm handshake and I think I think that sort of between his his accent, his warm handshake, and the way that he dealt with with, with young players, I think that made you feel that that you were kind of almost in the family right away as such, um, and that probably persuaded me um, more so than anything else. I felt that I was at home when I talked to to, to Sean, yeah. and that, and and he kept that friendship up over over the years, and his family even to this day. Um, uh, you know, I, I meet them, and they're they're always the same. You know, as if you were part of the of them, and I was part of of, of you know of of, of that uh, as a young boy that Sean just had that ability. Because it's that great. I suppose he he's part of that great Irish connection that you have as well. And obviously, you would have been aware of you know the strength of feeling coming from Donegal. But for as a teenager, making that journey. To, to over to Glasgow, yeah. over to Scotland. That, that's a big thing for a young man. At that time, you know, I was just you know thinking about coming. Out, you know, there, there was no phones in the house. There was, we, you know, we were lucky. We I think we just had a car. My dad got a car a couple of years earlier, but we didn't travel too far. Um, I wasn't in Glasgow before I came on trial. Even though my mum and dad was married in Edinburgh, uh, my mum worked up in Edinburgh, um, and my dad followed her over here. And they were. They were going out, obviously, uh, going out together and they ended up getting married and they lived down in Cop Copeland Road, believe it or not, <laughs> right at the Ibrox. And then they went back over about six months later and we were born in, in Ireland and my mum and dad had to stay because of some family reasons. With my, my, he'd lost a couple of sisters and, that, and he was there to look after my, my grandmother. Uh, and Otherwise, we could have been easily born over here, but I'd never, I'd never come to Scotland, even though we were Celtic supporters. Most of the kids around there were selling supporters. They always had an English team too. The next door neighbour had a picture of the 67 team up on the wall. You knew them all, you, you could name them. Um, but you never really uh, travelled over. And that was the first time. Nowadays it's completely changed. You know, people are over and back on a, on a yeah. almost a daily basis. We got a flight into Carrick Finn in 45 minutes and you're in Donegal. I wish it was there when I was young. I'll be honest, I'd be probably over and back to see the games. Uh, my first memory of Celtic, actually, watching Celtic live, was in Balbuffet in Finn Park. They came over uh, to play in a, in, a, in a game for, there was a tragedy at home, um, a, a boating accident, uh, and they came over to play in a game in that. Uh, and I remember going up there watching Tommy and, and those, Tommy Burns and those guys, and um, playing in, in a very muddy uh, Finn Park, I've got to say. 
but uh, so that that was the connection really. I had a great mate also, Connell, who's no longer with us unfortunately. But I remember him giving me Ronnie Simpson's book actually to, to read when I was a young boy, and again all those things made the connection, you know, uh, from that perspective. But um, coming here then into a city from a country background because we we live beside the sea over in Barton Port. Uh, and you were coming into the, the bright lights of Glasgow, um, very industrial city at that time, um, and coming out to the east end of Glasgow here, that, that was really intimidating. And, what, I, and you know, I've said it many times that I was very homesick. I had a twin brother at home, I had a five sisters, mum and dad, and the grandmother, we all lived in the house, and I was away from home. And, and, and those things were traumatic for, for young people at that particular time. Um, and that. So I, I was exactly the same, I missed home. But I love my football. I love coming in here. I remember the day Sean Fallon brought me into that first time into Sally Park, and he brought me straight into the first team dressing room, and the Danny McGreens and the Roy Aikens and the Tommy Burns and the Pat Stanton were there at the time, and those Ronnie Glav and Paul Wilson, and he made me shake <laughs> every player, and he shook my hand. I probably wonder who's this young guy coming over here, and then I was in the reserves with Peter Mackey and Benny Godzik and. Um, all of Jim Casey, all of those guys, you know, and, and it was a wonderful, but it, but it was intimidating for a young man. I had to find me, find me position, put it that way. But it's incredible when, I mean, you're listing some of those names. As you say, you came in as a young boy, you know, you're shaking hands with Tommy Burns, who's just a young player as well. You become like really, really close friends with him. Yeah. You know, you've got like of Danny and Roy Aitken, they're two of the seven players along with you that are the legends that have made over 600 appearances. You know, your first appearance, I think a lot of people would know can appropriately came in St. Patrick's Day, but even then you make that one appearance, which is a great thing. Yeah. You never think you go on to make 641, because no. that, that's a lot of hard work over a lot of years and the ups and downs of football to, to get to that stage. Yeah, listen, uh, you know, I, I didn't know whether I was going to make it or not, that, that's for sure. As I said earlier, I did my leaving cert at home and I was quite happy to have that behind me. I could always fall back on it. It was something always my mum and dad sort of kind of put into us a little bit to get your education and, and so on. Some of the girls left school earlier because they had to. Uh, there was no money in the house and so on, but we were lucky. The younger siblings, we, we went to school and we stayed at school and we, we did our leaving cert. So I always had that. Um, but And when I came to Celtic, listen, this was an intimidating place, as I said. Those were great players that you mentioned. Um, Peter Latchford was here. Roy Baines was here. I kind of had an inkling that I was I was okay, um, probably in the first year when they sold Roy Baines. <laughs> I hate to say that against Roy because he was a great lad and he went down to Morton, I think at the time, and uh, then suddenly I was second choice to Peter Lashford. But even then, you know, I was I, I had a contract. Um, I didn't know uh, that I, I had a, um, the, the Celtic had an option on my contract, <laughs> which it meant that they, the next, they could take you on for an extra year when your contract goes up. And that, and I remember going to talk to Billy McNeil one day. I kind of knocked on the door. He was in the dressing room actually, and I said to him, "I says, what about a contract?" And he's, "Oh, we're taking you up on your option." I said, "What does that mean?" <laughs> because I, I can't even remember what I signed. Uh, so anyway, they took me up, and that was it. And then continued, uh, and then making your debut. You know, Peter uh, was even though I trained every day with them, I didn't travel with the first thing. We played reserve football. Um, but Peter was going through maybe a, a wee rocky patch, which most goalkeepers do, and that. Uh, and then on a Friday, Billy said to me um, that uh, he was going to put me in, you know, against Motherwell, which was an incredible St. Patrick's Day. Bobby Lennox, of course, was back from America, scored a couple of goals in the game. There was a very small crowd here, by the way. When you look back at the records, 
they were probably sure. all celebrating St Paddy's Day. Uh, so. They were probably, um, but that, but then just to go out there. And at that time, it was incredible because there was a postal strike on, there was a telecommunication strike on, uh, and, I, and, and nobody, I couldn't get in touch with my family to tell them I was playing because there was no mobile phones in those days. Um, so I think it was probably on, the, on, some of them found out, but it was really on the, on the day of the game that they found out. So nobody was really here, apart from my uncles and aunts that was living here in Glasgow that I was staying with, you know, but my own direct family wasn't here, which is a pity uh, yeah. and that. Um, and even at that point in time, um, you know, my dad was still alive um, and uh, that would have been a big occasion for him. Yeah, yeah. Because it's incredible when you think, no, you know, the way nowadays with the, the, those communications, if we've had any young Irish players, if they were to make their debut, then within 10 minutes, the whole of Ireland would Absolutely. know about it. Twitter's so, out there, 30 yeah, seconds and it's yeah. done. Absolutely, and everybody would be booking up to come over and so on. And uh, the problem now is trying to get tickets for them. Uh, and uh, But no, listen, it, it, was a, it was a magnificent day to have your debut. It goes down in a bit of history also. I went back out of the team then for a while and then I played against Motherwell again, I think, a couple of weeks later. And in fact, that, that week, my, my grandmother died at home. Uh, but and I couldn't go back because I was playing, uh, which was again a bit of traumatic for me. Um, and I kind of struggled after that a little bit. Um, we we beat Motherwell, I think it was four two or something away, and um, from home, which is a tricky place to go. But I didn't really play that well in the night. Um, and then I was out of the team for a while. And I think at that stage, I was probably didn't know whether. You know, I had my chance, a couple of games, did okay in the first game, second game not so good, whether they were going to keep me on or maybe buy somebody in. But I've got to say, thanks to Billy, um, who, who, you know, I kind of had a love-hate relationship for many years. You know, Billy was like, he, he demanded of the goalkeepers, but we grew uh, very close. And, as, and uh, later on, I suppose, when we, I got a bit more mature and he got a bit older um, and that, but he it was him to give me the debut and stuck by me. And times probably then when, when I probably should have been out of the team, Peter got injured then after that and, and he put me in and had a run of games. Um, and then that run of games helped me grow in confidence and I, I think then they could realise that I was, I was okay. But the game's changed, isn't it? You know, yeah. would I survive now? <laughs> I don't know. That's the problem. Well, that's always the thing. I always think, you know, it's hard to compare with different generations because as you say the game changes but to have made it at the highest level at any stage you have the right attitude and application and ability that you then adapt to the circumstances I I, I think. I, I think so I, I think so you know I didn't go into goals till I was 12 years old really uh, and, and Donegal so I played outfield and I played in the schoolyard and I did all that and I was okay but I started going through a growth sport and I, I grew very quickly and I was probably at 12 I was still six foot tall you know so you lose your coordination and balance and you know with all kids now that's what happens and sometimes people make up your their mind about kids going through that growth sport when they shouldn't do it they should they have to let them calm down and and just get their get their coordination back again um, so I was okay but at the time the passback came in remember 1993 the passback came in I was 33 years old uh, at that point in time, I'd been playing similar to, you know, Peter, similar to Ray Clemens, Peter Shilton, all of the great goalkeepers uh, that I remember, Pat Jennings, um, and, and and we weren't passing the ball out. We weren't. We were kicking the ball up the pitch, out of our hands and off the ground. That was your that was your sole, um, you know, uh, job of dealing with with the ball with your feet. 
Everything else was to do with crosses, defending the goal, defending the space, uh, reading the game, uh, organization, and you built yourself up physically and strong mentally to go out and compete with that. But now the game's about composure, it's about being calm, ball back to you. But the players give you options now. And that's only happened the last 10, 15 years. When I think back here when Brendan came here in the first time, I think it was him really that started getting uh, Craig, Craig was in goals and, and it was almost a, he had to take time to get the players into positions to allow him to become effective in that thing. So maybe I could have adapted. I don't know. I don't know. I tell people that I would have. Been. Yeah, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Before we started recording this, you were chatting about the, you know, obviously you, you, you've played over on an island for Ireland, but you, yeah. the first couple of competitive games you played for Celtic over an island, well, the first one was... Well, you were on the bench when we, we played Dundalk. I was on the bench. It was an incredible game. Um, and, and we had won here 3-2. Uh, I think Alistair Eden, unfortunately, scored an OG for, for to, to give them a goal. So they only had to win 1-0 over in Dundalk and we were out. And remember, we went on to play Real Madrid, I think, yeah. in the next game. And that was incredible. But they built the game up so, so much down in Dundalk. You know, there was so many people there. They put in an extra stand and probably a dodgy stand <laughs> when I look back on it. My, my dad was up at the game, all my family was up there, but it was, I was just on the bench. And they missed an absolute sitter. An absolute sitter with about five minutes to go when it was nil-nil. And that could have put us out. Yeah. A, a ball played across the goal. I can't remember the name of the player now, but he went to almost pass into the net and can almost miss kicked it and put it wide. Probably haunted him for the rest of his oh, career. Absolutely <laughs> renowned for it. Everybody would bring yeah, it up to him yeah. for the rest of his year. But but that could have put us out. Uh, but we got through. I remember the night before also Danny went into his leg went into a bit of a spasm. He'd obviously uh, the diabetes and he, he uh, I think he was the sugar levels went down and so on. So there was all drama all over the place, you know. Uh, and and that was it. But but it was it was uh, Really competitive and Dundalk with a big, big, strong physical team. I know some of the guys there, uh, and and that was a tough old place to go to over to Ireland. Even though the levels maybe of football might have been, but they were physically strong, good pros over there. You know, so that was the first, my first kind of almost uh, chance to see a Celtic team going over there in a competitive game. I went over later, of course, and played Shamrock Rovers in RDS again, another tough game. Shamrock Rovers are a decent team. Uh, and, and we won the game, we went through, and then the friendlies. But but I did say to you that every time I went over there, <laughs> it was always, even though it was a friendly, I felt I had to perform. Celtic, of course, you know, uh, were playing here in the Scottish League. There'll be people over there, as you know, even to this day, ah, it's, it's, it's an easy league and this and that. This is a tough league to play in, and this is, you have to perform. Um, and, and any player coming here knows that. Uh, and, and they will they will tell you, but the fans over there, the ones who are neutral, the ones who who are Celtic supporters, but they think they're Celtic supporters, think ah, it's an easy league, and the ones that support the Liverpools and Arsenal and all that. So I always felt when I got over there that uh, I had to perform, even though there were Celtic fans there, there was the Irish fans there too, and uh, they didn't see it on the box too much. They didn't see the Celtic games. That's different now, of course. Yeah. You're seeing every single game, but then they didn't. So when you went over there, you had to really put a, a bit of a show on. And I took it very, very serious. Maybe, you know, some fans would say I was too serious. I wasn't, uh, but but that's the way I felt. Yeah, I think fans would like that because you know that way, fans whether they turn up for a friendly match or a competitive match, the fans are taking it seriously because yeah. you always want to see Celtic win. So 
when you see the players doing that, I think yeah. you relate to that as well. So. Yeah, nowadays it's maybe slightly different because they see them every week and they know how how they are. Uh, but when you play for Celtic, every game's competitive. Let's put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's interesting. You know, over the years we have gone over. We've, we've played games in the north. We've played games. You know, played like so Shamrock Rovers, etc. It's there's always a special feeling. I think when when Celtic go to Ireland. Someone once said to me. There's probably precious few Irish men or women who don't have an affection for Celtic. As you say, you know, some people will have, particularly back in the day when there was a lot more English football coverage than Scottish football, yes. they'll have an English team. Yes. But there's always that affection wherever you go from football fans for Celtic. That's If it's not their first team, it's, it's their other team. Yeah, well, listen, we, we know the history of Celtic also. You know, it was set up by an Irish man and... and um, it's always had that connection, the tricolours flying here. Um, you know, my uncle always said to me that, you know, Celtic, and when, when he came here as a young man, um, you know, way back in probably the 50s, uh, Celtic was a place for them to come and feel as if they could compete with, with everybody in Scotland uh, and, and beat them uh, and feel very kind of happy that you're in your own environment here. Um, from that perspective and, and the history and then of course the history has been about uh, you know the Irish common immigrants coming to, to Scotland and looking after them and, and all that charity aspect of the club and that's what the club is really all about it's not about anything else for me um, and that remains and will remain forevermore so when you go back to Ireland or the club goes over to Ireland you feel that you have a connection and, and the Irish people feel that they have a connection to Celtic from that perspective yes some of them support Tottenham and Arsenal and Liverpool and that, but they always have that wee feeling for Celtic also. They always and 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 they're always wondering how they do, you know, how does Celtic do today, you know that thing. And especially down my part of the world in Donegal, where uh, you know people travelling over and back and they have huge commitment to the club from that perspective. Um, and um, you know, I was I was just yesterday sending a jersey for a young man, Jimmy Sweeney. His dad Paddy used to be over here with, and, and ran yeah, the buses. Yeah. Uh, over there and Jamie's involved he's just got two kids now and I says he coming over this year oh yeah I've got that over me now so I'll be back <laughs> and he missed a couple of games last year and and that that lives with them you know and there's a whole group of people that that have that connection over there and and uh, and, that, and that for me that that that's brilliant in many ways and to keep that sort of history and the meaning of Celtic alive uh, that that I was sort of kind of almost witness through my uncle yeah because that's one of the nice things I think about is Come back that this time to play Wolves at the Aviva on July the 29th, an Irishman taking us over as, as the manager as well, yeah. which I think is, is is a bit special. But you know, to your point about you know the fans heading over every week here, so it's nice for the club to reciprocate and then yeah. to go over there. So obviously, people are going to be travelling from all over Ireland, but it kind of feels like it's home. Aye, I think so. I think so. I, I, listen, I've been talking to, Brent, uh, to Dermot Desma a few times and I mentioned to Peter, we should have a, a club over there. We should have a club in the League of Ireland that that we and, and run the whole thing. And, and that would be a lovely feeder club in Man City, do it all over the world. Why can we not do it? I know you've got a connection with Shamrock Growers through what Dermot Desma is doing, but buy their own club. That would be fantastic, wouldn't it, uh, for me? But um, no, listen, uh, the club is special. It's special. It's got that connection with Ireland that'll never change. It's in the histories and the DNA. Uh, and when you go over there, you feel, you, all the players should feel uh, that they're going sort of into a, a country that, that was part of their history. 
uh, you know, from that perspective. Yeah, it's a well, a Celtic country, but it's a Celtic country as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Obviously, the Aviva. We, we talked earlier about the, the transformation of of Celtic Park. The Aviva's on the, the same site as, as Lansdowne Road, but I mean, it's a turned a little. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a spectacular. It's, it's a very impressive yeah. stadium. I, I when some of the Irish journalists were interviewing. Brendan last week and somebody did make the point about the Aviva's going to be hosting the Europa League yes. final this year and I think he was trying to get him to say well that's that's a target I think he just he was kind of laughing could be a target it could but, be a target yeah. it'll be a lovely target it'll be a great target but that kind of shows you the, the even just the, the venue uh, you know it's, it's at that standard to be hosting European finals but you know obviously for a game like Celtic and against that you know I will say that a Premier League side pre-season game but it's good preparation because you're yeah. playing a, a top side yeah listen I, I remember the old Lansdowne Road you know I mean most of most of my games were in the old Lansdowne Road it wasn't uh, you know a, a pretty you know Lubris type of stadium but it certainly was a, a great stadium to play in with great atmosphere and so on and so forth this stadium now of course is iconic it's got a design that's, that's iconic uh, but the great thing is it's in the same site you know, and it's a bit like here. Well, well, things have changed here at Silly Park, and it's a, they haven't gone somewhere else. Yeah, the remember there was a debate of you know there was possible sites elsewhere for Celtic Park. Yes. But I think when Fergus came in, it was like, well, this is where we're rebuilding it Aye. because Aye. this is this is the heart of, of yeah. Celtic. It'll be the same for the Viva. Absolutely. And when you look around Celtic Park now, you look at the outside. Incredible job that the club has done. Uh, you know, credit must go to the the directors and everybody concerned that they have spent a lot of money around reinvigorating the environment you've got to say uh, these down at Glasgow from that perspective Lands End Road's a bit like that in many ways too there was the old stadium was dilapidated it needed to be done players now need the stadium they need good pitches that's the other thing when I look back to the pitches that I played on I remember one in uh, one in the league here and there wasn't a blade of grass on, the, on it well, do you know that's interesting because do you know your, your point about could players from say era how would they compete in the modern day so if you take any of the outfield players somebody like Paul McStay as you say he's playing sometimes on a pitch with us Halliney Grass the control he has so then you put him on a, a carpet like Celtic Park now yeah. he's going to cry of course of course I suppose the challenge for the modern players can they go on to bad pitches and play mm. uh, while we could adapt quite easily because we, we trained on bad pitches we could yeah. we played out there and it wasn't the best pitch in the world but I think that's what Brendan changed here he, he came in he realised that if you wanted to play the way that he wants the team to play, the pitch was going to be a, a, a very important tool. Uh, and that's what he's done there. So so the pitch is, is immaculate. Lansdowne Road is immaculate. Uh, now, the Viva Stadium, should I say. Um, so it's a perfect, it'll be the perfect venue for Celtic to go and play. And then the opposition is a Premier League opposition, which which will be a good challenge for them. So looking forward to that game. And hopefully it'll be a full house, which I'm sure it will be. The Celtic fans will travel all over Ireland. Uh, and it'll be a, it'll be a lovely occasion, uh, and it's a good test. And you, you mentioned Brendan come back there as an Irish man, you know. And and there'll be there'll be people out there. Listen, there'll be people fans out there to say, listen, Brendan left, and he left in the middle of the season, and so on and so forth. But he is the best manager to fit the profile we have at this moment in time. When you look around, and, you, and you're, if you're going to make a choice, he would fit the profile. Uh, and people have got to sort of understand that. And the game's changed also from that perspective. You know, players management, staff, people move. People move uh, and move for, for all, all sorts of reasons. Um, it's not, they're not, you're not going to get somebody that stays at a club 17 years any, anymore, that's for sure. I, I doubt it very much. Uh, 
and uh, from that perspective, maybe Callum might 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 get that, but that's that's a unique situation. So so Brendan's back, and 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 uh, he's gone into that, and, and that's a good start for him for the season. Uh, and if he plays the way that the team played in the past, the fans will be happy. If he wins the big games coming up at the very start of the season, the fans will be happy. And then Europe, and people know. People know that that uh, Europe is a test, um, and it will be a test for him too. Even if Andrew was sitting here today and preparing for this new season, I think that would have been the benchmark for him, Europe to uh, this particular year. So, so that hasn't changed. Yeah, because those games, interestingly, that the Wolves game is the first game back home, I suppose, in Ireland. But it's the first time that fans here get, get to see the team because they're obviously over in Japan, yeah. etc. So, I think that there's always that excitement ahead of a new season so people want to see the team play. Yeah and I think I think listen we were so enamoured with the way that Ange Postacoglu had his team play and they were on the front foot every every pass was more a penetrating pass and and so on and so forth uh, the intensity was great uh, we all loved that unfortunately near the end of the season when the intensity comes off then then they struggled a little bit I think uh, from that perspective Brendan plays slightly different a wee bit more possession based uh, it'll be really interesting for it'll be interesting for me anyway. Uh, somebody who works still works in the game and, and has to commentate on it. Uh, how that change will affect the players, or will it affect the players, or will they will they adapt quickly to it, or will he continue playing the way Ange played a little bit more? And of course, him going down to England too. When you think on it, uh, it was a great learning process for for Brendan. He had to go in with a, a lesser team that that probably had to play differently. They played more in a counter-attack with Vardy up front and that. So will he take some of that and put it back into the, into the Celtic team and make them better? Who, who knows? So all of that, even that move down to England, might have been beneficial for the club now. Yeah, that's that's part of the excitement of the new season. You mentioned, obviously, you're a, you're a one-club man. One other, well, obviously, we've got Callum McGregor who came through. He's been here for over 20 years. Yeah. Another player that's been here for over 20 years, James Forrest. And he's also joining you. You're one of a, a select band of Celtic players who's had a testimonial here uh, back in 1991. James Forrest is, is against the Athletic Club who, you know, they make a big thing or they have an award for yeah, one yeah. one club men. They, they made a special award for Billy McNeil a few years back, which was wonderful. James Forrest getting a testimonial. I mean, he's, he's an incredible uh, run of success over the years, but it happens so rarely now, so it's a nice thing for him to have. Of course, listen, you know, when, when, when you get a testimonial from the fans, um, it, it's special. Uh, I think probably in our day, if you got testimonial, we probably needed a wee bit of a boost financially to, to continue what we were going to do in life thereafter. We didn't get big wages. Uh, but, but that doesn't take nothing away from, from testimonials in the current uh, climate. Um, uh, he deserves it. Um, like uh, you know, it's great to see a young man who stays at a club all his life. That's that's huge commitment. When when probably there's other offers there, he could have moved and so on and so forth. James, uh, what I loved about James was to see his development over the years too. When when I remember him as a young boy coming into the team, he was kind of in and out. You didn't know whether he was going to really kick on and be, become a become a player um, and so on. But I think again, when I look back at Brendan uh, when he came to the club. I think he made a huge difference uh, to, to James. Um, yeah. he, he can almost made him into a, a mature player who had had a leadership quality within the team when he played. Uh, he was much more tuned in to not just the attacking side but the defensive side. He had 
I think he learned him the responsibility that he had when he was playing in, out in that pitch uh, for the team rather than the individual. Uh, and I think that stuck with him. Unfortunately, he's had a few injuries over the years and we probably have seen more of him. I don't know how many games he's played, but certainly um, to be at the club all that length. So he deserves everything he gets and I, I'm, I'm sure he'll have a huge crowd. And that's a lovely, you're right about the team he's playing. Uh, you know, I've heard that, that before, I've listened to their history. Um, you know, they come from a part of the, uh, Spain that, that like to see players commit to them from the Basque country and so on. Uh, and stay there. So, so that's that's a lovely, lovely gesture actually for them to come over and play in his testimonial. And hopefully, Callum will be, uh, you know, maybe the next one uh, down the road. So, great, great young players. And and the other thing I love love about it to see young players coming through the system. You know, I didn't come through the through the boys' club or I didn't come through the apprenticeships. You know, I came in when I was eighteen. Those kids have come right through the whole system since we're probably eleven years old. And to be still at the club and doing well and being some of the leading players in the club, I love that. And, and that must still continue as part of our history, yeah. believe me. Yeah, because was even on pre-season, it was always interesting because you get the other end of that scale of some of the young players yeah. making the step up and training with the first team. And, and again, you're seeing hopefully some of them on the start of their Celtic yeah. journey as well. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So let's see how it all develops this year and everybody will be very happy. I know you do a lot of work with the FAI, but will you be will you be back over in Dublin for the the Wolves game? Or no, no, I won't be. Um, I'm on the board of the FAI at the moment, which is which is interesting. There's a kind of a um, independent director, you know, not hands on anymore. I used to be the technical director over there, which was which was a brilliant job. Um, I'm away from that for ten years, but now I'm back on the board, and we have a big job to do there. Um, the team, the, the ladies team now is of course in the World Cup starting uh, starting now this, this week um, and uh, uh, that'll be interesting to see how they do so. The hierarchy, most of them are out there uh, so there's no real, so I'm not, no I'm not going over uh, this week. But obviously as you say, with fingers crossed I'm sure there will be uh, an exodus from all other counties of Ireland down to, to Dublin for on yeah. that game in the 29th. Yeah, absolutely. It's easy enough to get to. The only problem with Dublin now is so expensive. <laughs> so you can go up and go down in one day yeah, yeah. and take a, take a trip out of it. Yeah, we're well, looking forward to it. Well, listen, Pat, it's been, as always, an, an absolute joy talking to you um, and this time on the podcast. So thanks very much. Thank you and, and delighted to be able to talk to the fans and, and, and we wish them well this year and uh, more success. Absolutely. Let's go.